But if you're gonna go, right, you wanna go the week before Easter, you know, now a chance to cleanse the sins. So it was all part of the master plan. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of There's a Lot Going On, the only podcast that has the same number of teams in the playoff as the city of Los Angeles. I'm David Arroyo, joined, as always, my pal Tom Shively. Tom, you're back. We got to know how Vegas was before we get into this, but this is our 2022 NBA playoff preview. Now, when you guys are listening to this, the first games of the first round have already happened, but we are recording this on a Saturday morning. We wanted to wait until the playing games were complete before we gave our full playoff predictions. So that's what this is. We're recording Saturday morning. You're hearing it on Monday, so we could have bad takes by Monday. But Tom, before we get into any of that, I got to know, how are you doing today? How was Vegas? It was a good time. Um, and you shouldn't say as always. You know, Kerry filled in admirably last week, so... Uh, you know, good to have someone who could who could pass the torch to who, who did a good job last week. But we uh, we're we're in the red. But you know, it's not as bad as it could have been. So that that's our big takeaway. But uh, we're excited to be back. Had a good time. Um, five whole days out there. I got to be honest, too many. Like three days is probably good. So if, if we if we go back, we'll make the trip a little bit shorter next time. It is my is my big takeaway from the trip. See, that what that tells me, right, is there's a reason it's called the City of Sin. You should never be in a city that is nicknamed the City of Sin longer than like two, three days max. But if you're going to go, right, you want to go the week before Easter, you know, now a chance to cleanse the sins. So it was all part of the master plan. I mean, genius. This is the headiest of heady plays exactly. that I've ever heard on this podcast. Well, Tom, let's just get into it. Let's get into this NBA playoff preview. We're going to start out East and we're going to start just by getting this matchup out of the way because I think we are in complete agreement here. The Chicago Bulls have literally no shot against the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks beat them four times this year, four times this year, 4-0. Lonzo Ball's hurt. This team is riddled with injuries. Bucks will win this one in four or five. I know you completely agree with me, so let's just move on to the next playoff series. We're going to start at the top and then work our way down at least in the way I'm looking at the bracket, not necessarily one, then two. You know how it goes. Tom, let's start with the one seed out east. The Miami Heat, they've been the one seed essentially all year. It feels like they've really ridden this coast to coast. They ran into a bit of a rough patch there at the end of the season. They just didn't look like the same team. And they've been one of the worst clutch performing teams in the entire NBA this season. Pretty good defensively. But on the other side, they're facing the Atlanta Hawks, a team who... They were, what, the the 10 seed? The 9 seed just a couple of days ago. They had to win two games even to get into the playoffs. And Trey Young and this team, once again, second half of the year, scorching hot to even get into the playoffs. They were like a 12 seed at one point this season, getting all the way up to the 9 and really willing their way into these playoffs. I, I had thought if Miami played Cleveland or Charlotte, they were going to cruise to the second round. I think Atlanta was the worst possible outcome if you're the Miami Heat. Yeah, there's something about about Trey Young in the playoffs, and 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 obviously you harken back to last year with the run they went on to the conference finals. Obviously, they had a little bit better seed, but a lot of the same pieces here. You want to talk about young teams kind of struggling in the playoffs? This is a team that kind of overperformed last year and 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 you see again this is an experience now with with guys like Trey Young, Herder, you know, DeAndre Hunter getting their first playoff taste and now kind of coming back for more. I'm with you. I think it's a terrible matchup for Miami. I think they're going to have a nightmare guarding the perimeter. Um 
we we've talked before on this podcast about some of the liabilities they have on the defensive side, especially with guys like Hero and Robinson who have to guard the perimeter. I think Trey Young is going to complicate that matchup. Capella's health, uh, he went down, I think, in that play-in game against Cleveland, is is going to be complicated. If, if he misses a lot of time, that, that's got to favor Miami with how Bam can play. But if a healthy Capella's here, I give Atlanta a good shot to steal a few games and maybe win the series. See, that that's the thing, though, right? You mentioned Bam Adebayo. I feel like since the bubble, he has consistently underperformed and just not been the same player since that bubble season. You talk about the playoffs specifically last year. He just seems terrified to shoot anything that isn't within the painted area. And I understand he's a center, but he he's one of those guys where their offense flowed best, where he could kind of step out onto the perimeter. Because now with him doing that, you have two guys who refuse to shoot outside jump shots. It's him and it's their other best player, Jimmy Butler. So when your two best players literally are refusing to shoot shots on the outside, that is a major, major red flag. And it allows you just to really focus in on Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson out on the perimeter because those are really the only guys on this team. Maybe Max Struess a little bit, but I have a feeling Max Struess is going to get played off the floor in the playoffs. He just, again, another defensive, like they just, all their best shooters, defensive liabilities. And we saw Atlanta last year. If you have a defensive liability, uh, Nate McMillan and Trey Young and this team, they're going to exploit it. They're going to find it. And they're going to be able to take advantage of it. That's not to say like Eric Spolster is not going to be able to do the same because I think the Heat have the coaching advantage in this series. But I think talent wise, I think this is even. I, I don't think the Heat have a clear talent advantage over the Atlanta Hawks. You got to wonder how much Lowry changes the the complex around around Miami. Obviously, he's an NBA champion. Does that make the difference this year? Because you mentioned they kind of flamed out last year again. Yeah, it was the it was the eventual champion Bucks. But does having someone like that? And I talked about the perimeter woes. How much does that benefit Miami this time around, knowing that they have that veteran leadership? I think it's huge. I think it's going to make all of the difference when you look at kind of the margins in this series, where it's going to be won and lost. It's good. It's him and and PJ Tucker, right? Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker, which. I, I've said this all year. I think when P.J. Tucker is is a nice role player on your team, you have a very good team. When he's one of those guys where if he gets hurt, you're screwed, you don't have a great team. You have a good team who can't win a championship. And to me, that's the Miami Heat. They're a good team who can't win the championship because you're, re- you're too reliant on Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker defensively. And I, I think... I honestly, Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker, I don't know why they, I always forget they're on the team. I I don't know why that is. I've had an entire season to adjust to the fact that they're both on the Miami Heat and they fit perfectly with what they want to do. I I just, I have a really bad feeling about this series to the point where I almost want to pick Atlanta. Like I, I don't feel good about it to the point where, again, I, I think, I think Atlanta is going to be able to exploit enough of this matchup problem. And I don't think Miami has enough shooting to stay. You know, I'm just going to pick it. I think Atlanta is going to beat Miami. I think this goes seven, but I, I just, I think when it comes to a game seven, those crunch time and those clutch numbers I keep talking about are going to be important because that is a clutch, basically a clutch 48 minutes. And so I think Atlanta, I think Atlanta can do it. I think Atlanta has the best player in the series. I think Atlanta has enough defense to be able to slow these guys down. 
And it's really, let's be honest, they're going to be overly reliant on Tyler Hero. And I just don't trust Tyler Hero enough at this point to pick Miami. So I'm, I'm going to take Atlanta in a massive upset. I think I'm sticking with Miami. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if it goes the distance. I, I think the additions of Lowry and Tucker are going to be just enough to keep them. I, I think you're going to need a Herculean performance from Trey Young. And you'll probably get it a couple games. But to get it four times seems like a big ask, even for a player of his caliber. So... I'll lead Miami, but it's not going to be comfortable for the one seed as much as you'd like it to be. Yeah, it, uh, when you get the one seed, you hope you get an easy matchup. Like, like again, I think yeah, you're, if you get the Cavs, if you get the Cavs, you're, you're you're cruising. Yeah, but not although so fast. Cleveland Cleveland would have posed some interesting matchup problems with Jared Allen, uh, Laurie Markkinen. Who's the other guy? Uh, Evan Mobley. Like, just defensively, they would have posed some problems with their length, even though Laurie's a horrible defender, one of the worst defenders I've ever seen in basketball. Tom, let, let's go to the, the other matchup and the potential teams the Miami Heat or Atlanta Hawks could be playing. That is, of course, the 4-5 matchup between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Toronto Raptors. As Kerry and I hashed out last week, Matisse Thybul ineligible to play games three and four in Toronto. If it ends up going deeper than five games, he'd be ineligible for game six in Toronto as well. I mean, I think that's a huge blow for the Sixers. I I think it's one of those things they're going to have to wrap it up at home. And they've been a team this year who's kind of struggled at home more than you would expect a team of their caliber to struggle Mind you, you have the MVP in Joel Embiid. You have James Harden, who has completely changed how this offense plays in terms of assist numbers. He has, He's averaging like 11 or 12 assists a game since he's come to the Sixers. So he's easily filled the Ben Simmons assist role and then some. Tyrese Maxey has stepped into his own. Tobias Harris seems to have adjusted. The bench isn't very good, but you have to imagine in the playoffs that bench is going to shrink. I'm woefully concerned about the backup center minutes with Philadelphia and then Toronto is just they've what they've been the last couple years they're super well-rounded Fred Van Fleet's really good Pascal Siakam is probably going to make third team all NBA he may miss it by a hair but he's going to be in contention for it Scotty Barnes has been a great rookie this year It, it just seems like a really solid team and Nick Nurse is exponentially a better coach than Doc Rivers and so the Sixers are going to have nightmare problems across the board. I just, I'm going to put this out there before you even say anything. I tend to lean the Sixers solely because they have the best player in the series. Joel Embiid is the best player by a mile in this series. And to me, that's enough to win this series because Toronto doesn't have anyone to match up with Joel Embiid. See, this is where it gets interesting, right? Because Joel Embiid has been the best player in in most of the playoff series he's taken part in, especially since, I would say since 2020, like maybe Kawhi was better in that Raptors series in 2019, but Embiid, especially last year against the Hawks, right, was the best player in the series. I draw on that. It's the last playoff series the Phillies played, obviously. The They're better years. with James oh, Harden. Oh, you said, sorry, it's you said last, that It's Philly? the last playoff series that Philly has played, is that. The way it yeah. came through my ears was that the Phillies have played, but you said Philly no. has played. It just, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Philly, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, he was the best player in that series and kind of got his, but it was the rest of the team that couldn't produce in that series. And I think Harden obviously alleviates that, but it, but it's where do you get that offense when those two guys aren't on the floor? I think I was listening to the low post, and there's something like plus 36, something insane when Embiid and Harden are both on the floor against the Raptors. But it's the rest of the team that when those two guys are sitting, or even one of those two guys are sitting, that can't quite produce that much. And... 
Toronto defends really well, like you mentioned. That's what they've been doing the entirety of Nick Nurse's tenure. They've got a bunch of long guys. Scotty Barnes has been insane this year. Uh, Van Vliet's health is a little concerned. I think he's got a banged up knee. I'm not 100% sure what his status is for game one. Um, but, you know, I, I assume we'll see him at some point in the series. So it kind of comes down to James Harden, I, I think, is the key in the series because Embiid is, is going to do what he does regardless of how you try to defend him. And it's just can Harden kind of get his shots up. And, you know, he said earlier this week that there's not a lot of pressure on him. I find that hard to believe for an athlete that plays in Philadelphia. I think there's always kind of a built-in pressure with that fan base that comes with the postseason and this time of year. And how is he built for that? Uh, you know, he wasn't built for it in Brooklyn. We'll see if he is in Philly. But I, I think you have to be raising the red flags in terms of production from the rest of the roster if you're if you're Joel Embiid and you're the Sixers. Uh, I I would say my biggest concern as a Sixers fan is the backup five minutes. DeAndre Jordan is some like something like minus ten in the minutes that he plays. And it's easy enough to look at that and just go, oh, well, he's been better than that. No, like if you watch the minutes, the moment Joel Embiid sits down, DeAndre Jordan has been horrendous. And I'm getting Greg Monroe all over again when they lost that playoff series to the Raptors a couple years ago, because that was the literal difference. Like once the playoffs come around, your backup center being minus 10 when your best player sits down can lose you a playoff series. And it's one of those things where Doc Rivers has been so hesitant and he's been downright hostile to the idea that Paul Reed or Charles Bassey is a better option than DeAndre Jordan. I have firmly believed that since they got rid of Andre Drummond in the trade with Ben Simmons for um, James Harden. But I, I think that's going to be the difference in the series. Can you get enough from the backup center minutes to win you the series? I think you can get just enough to win the series. I'm literally saying like barely enough. I think this series goes six or seven games. I'm going to lean with the Sixers. Mind you, I would have a hard time picking against them in this situation. It's the first round. If they go out in the first round, let me put, actually, I believe this about the Sixers, but I should put this out there now before we get too far. It is conference finals or busts for this team. Because you got the more favorable side of the bracket. You don't have to play Brooklyn, Milwaukee, or Boston before the conference finals. You and I are in agreement. Miami is a much more favorable matchup, if that's who they get in the second round, than any of those other teams. Yes, you got the hardest first round matchup probably of any team, in my opinion. But you got to take care of business. I'll trade you right now. Are you kidding me? Come on. I would have much rather have played the Nets, to be quite honest with you. So uh, I... I am a strong believer that they need to make the conference finals. And even if they make the conference finals, I don't think Doc Rivers is the answer. I think he needs to be gone at the end of this year. I think he's shown time and time again, he is not the guy for this job and they got to get him out. If he wants that Lakers job, let him have it because I don't want him here anymore. So yeah, that's my, the Sixers are my pick. I'm, I'm going Raptors. I think the margins... Uh, it's going to come down to that, and Thibel not playing in three of these games is, is going to be a problem. I, to me, Toronto probably wins every game that's played in Toronto in this series, and I think to ask Philly to win all four games at home, that's a lot of pressure on this team, especially James Harden, and I think ultimately they're going to come up short, and it's going to be looked at as a failure. But I'm going Raptors. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting Siakam. I'm trusting the young guys on that team. Uh, Gary Trent's had a really good year as well, kind of 
No one's been talking about him coming over from Portland, but he's been really solid. Just another great addition. Speaking of the, we'll get to the Blazers later. They, they've fallen apart, but I'm going Toronto. All right, Tom goes Toronto. I go with Philly. So we're we're in complete disagreement outside of Milwaukee so far. So good thing you and I went over earlier that we, we're just going to make first round picks and then we're just going to skip right to finals picks because we know we're just not going to be in agreement most of the playoffs. Tom, Boston and Brooklyn, because again, Milwaukee's going to take care of Chicago in four or five games. Uh, a little gambling advice. I don't know what the line is at now, but when I bet on this series, you could bet on both four the series to end in four or the series to end in five. And because they're both plus money, you're going to win no matter what. So I bet on both of those. I'm going to win money no matter what. Shout out to that. What a dub. I'm going to be in the green after it. I'm going to be up about $20 no matter what happens. So run that, run that by me again. So basically because they're both plus money and they're both like pretty high plus money. If you bet on both, you're guaranteed to be in the green, no matter what. But it sounds like that had to end in four or five for you to cash. Correct. It's going to end in four what or five. This series, Celtics six. No, no, Celtics no. I'm talking. Nets. I'm Milwaukee, Chicago, Milwaukee, Chicago. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry. Okay, no, 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 I, no, I, no. I got you. Sorry. I was Celtics like, oh. and Nets. The next series we're going to talk about is not ending in four or five games. I jumped the gun. Opinion. That's on me. Tom, the Boston Celtics at one point this year, I believe the record was 23-24 and 24 at the yes, halfway point of the season. Since then, they have been arguably the hottest team in the NBA. They finished the season 51-31, and 31, so they lost, what, seven games down the stretch. They just were it's on 20, a It's 28-7 for you keeping track at home. That's four out of five for half the season. That is... Uh... That's rarefied air. It's not quite 17 Warriors, but it's rarefied air. Yeah, that is a blistering pace down the stretch, and they did it mostly with their defense. This defense is completely transformed from where they were even a year ago. Ime Udoka, who I was clamoring for the Sixers to hire when they got rid of Brett Brown. Of course, once again, pod, never wrong. You know, the Celtics have been fantastic. They've been really great defensively. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are the main drivers of this offense, but they get a lot of contributions elsewhere. I think Marcus Smart has been, you know, one of those guys. You may know better some of the other contributors on this team, but really, let's be honest, it's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown leading the show most of the time. I think the big concern if you're the Celtics is no Robert Williams. No Robert Williams in this series could pose a bit of an issue. On the other side, though, you have the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, Jay, or not James Harden. Wow, he's on the Sixers now, and I still have not calibrated. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, they're leading the show. We all know that. Kyrie Irving has played like 29 games, I think, or something like that this season. So he comes in extremely healthy. Kevin Durant has had a bit of injury issues once again this year. But the defense has been helped a little bit by adding Andre Drummond. But let's be honest, this is still a bad defense. Kyrie Irving's a bad defender. Seth Curry is a bad defender. There are matchups to be hunted in this series if you're the Celtics. And I just, like, the Celtics defense to me is going to be the difference in this series. If they can slow down Kyrie and Kevin Durant even a little bit, I think the Celtics should should be able to handle this. And you know what? I got to put this out there before you go, Tom. I have never seen a team in NBA history. You know what? The Celtics, that year that you and I said they would not make the conference finals, you and I got that one right. So you know what? That's the other team. These are Those are the two most... Them and the Nets, 
I've never seen teams who we have so blatantly ignored all of the evidence in the regular season and what the regular season told us about those teams. The Brooklyn Nets, the entire year, we have been told they are dysfunctional, they are poor defensively, and they are overly overly reliant on Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. It was the story last year. It's the story this year once again when it comes to what this team is. And to me, I don't... Why do we keep ignoring... They were the seventh seed for a reason. We talk about them like they are, oh my God, they're so good. Look, everyone watch out. Everyone's got to be so worried about the Nets. Why? Why? All year, I have not been worried about the Nets because I have watched them play basketball. Has just no one watched them play basketball and they see Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and go, oh, well, that's going to do it. I, I don't understand. I do not understand. Well, I... You, this is interesting coming from you, right? Because Kyrie Irving, not not injury, but he missed a lot of the season for his, his vaccination status and that whole saga. You were singing praises about the Los Angeles Lakers last year when they were in a very similar position as the seventh seed. Uh, Anthony Davis had missed a lot of the year with injury, and, and it felt like, oh, they're finally getting the their nucleus back, and they're performing really well. And I think in the uh, playoffs, on, we tend on, to on. have this. Let, let Can me, I finish let me my th- point, or are you just going to yes, step on Yes, me? go ahead, go ahead. We tend to have this this affinity of gravitating towards stars because you know postseason is where stars are born is where stars are made. You look at Trey Young last year, um, and I think we look at oh this guy has this team has top NBA talent. We just kind of assume they're going to be better than they were, which the signs are pointing to oh this team's not going to get that far. And I think there's a lot of parallels between this year's Nets team and last year's Lakers team. They're a big preseason favorite by a lot of people to come in, but. Yeah, you look at the you look at the defensive issues they have. Ben Simmons probably not going to play in this series. Um, you know, he was the big addition they had to kind of bolster their defense, but we haven't really seen a whisper of him even get close to the floor yet. So, it's going to be a tall ask from Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. But go ahead. All I was going to say, just in defense of what I said last year. I said that under the assumption that LeBron James was still the LeBron James we had seen carry mediocrity at least past the first round and usually to the finals. Obviously, I was wrong. That was not the LeBron James. That's just not who he is anymore. You saw it all season. He was scoring 30 a game, and he just couldn't carry a bad team anymore. So that was just a miscalculation on my part. I just have never seen Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant do that. They have never carried subpar teams to the finals. It's, it, that's just a fact. And so I am until I see otherwise... I am not going to ignore what I saw from the Boston Celtics this season. Jason Tatum took a major step forward. Like he is on the precipice right now of top 10 player in the league, potential superstar. Like I am. I think he's in the top 10. It's hard for me to name 10 players that I would take over Tatum right now. We don't have to do this right now, but I'd have to think about it. But like he, to me, he's very close to like superstardom. Like he is very close to that. I think a conference finals, potential NBA finals run could do that for him and officially like cement him in that superstar status and i just think this defense is too good i think even without robert williams they're gonna find a way to take advantage of the nets i think this matchup actually works out really well for the celtics in terms of how they like to play defense and i think they're gonna take care of business i think the celtics win this series in six i don't even think it goes seven they win it in brooklyn and we finally can stop talking about the nets as a finals contender because i just have not seen that all year I, th- I think the biggest part about Robert Williams' game is is his perimeter defense that's underrated. Um, he really took a step with that this year, and I, I think you saw flashes of it last year. 
in their series against the Nets. He actually had a pretty good series. They never had a chance when Jalen Brown went down, but he had a very good series against this team, and I think that gives the team confidence that, you know, if Williams comes back, game four would be four weeks after his injury, which the timetable is four to six weeks, so there's a possibility you could see him later in the series. I think a lot of it depends on where the Celtics kind of stand in the first three games, whether or not he comes back. Um, But, yeah, Marcus Smart should be in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. Uh, Tatum and Brown, you you know, it it feels like the first – obviously Brown was hurt last year. They had the weird kind of bubble season. This feels like the first true playoff run where the two kind of know how to play together, know who they are. And you talk about Herculean efforts from Trey Young, I mentioned in the Hawks. You're going to need something special from Durant and Irving four nights and – I'm with you. I don't see it. Obviously, those two guys are very capable of it, but Kyrie was, what, 12 for 12 to start against Cleveland? Um, And just he was that hot, and, you know, they didn't really win by all that much, so it feels like they're going to need those type of efforts to to win games in this series. I don't see them getting it four times, especially if we don't see Simmons on the court at all. And shield your eyes, shield your ears, Sixers fans, but Al Horford has been pretty decent on the defensive side for the Celtics this year. He's He's been a decent addition. He he just he, he he just didn't work in Philly because they were trying to make him Simmons and Embiid work together and it just never made any sense. Like I honestly don't have a lot of ill will toward Al Horford. It just was a bad signing. His sister is really annoying on Twitter, but other than that, I, I have nothing against the guy. I will say, let me ask you this question because I thought of it as you mentioned the fact Robert Williams could come back in this series. It was reported this morning before we started podcasting that Ben Simmons this week is going to take part in practice against his teammates. It's the first time he's going to be taking part in live practice since whatever happened with his back sitting on a computer chair at his house. Let, Let me ask you, who would be the bigger addition to the series, Robert Williams or Ben Simmons? I think it's Robert Williams because Ben Simmons hasn't seen competitive basketball in a year, and I think it, it's incredibly hard for even, yeah, a guy that hangs his hat on the defensive end that will come back to you, I think, more quickly than offense does. It's going to be tough for him to be any semblance of the Ben Simmons of old, which you know wasn't anything spectacular the last couple seasons in Philly. So even if he does come back, it feels like Williams means more to the Celtics, especially with, with the way they've kind of evolved defensively this season. Yeah, I I would agree. I just think if Ben Simmons came back, you're not getting more than 15 minutes most out of him. And I just don't think that's enough to make enough of an impact in a playoff series because you could always work your way around it where like, you know, Tatum or Brown are both on the court for that. And then it's like, who guards who? Because Ben Simmons can only take one of these guys away. You can't take both of them away. And it's not like Kevin Durant's out here defensive stalwart. He's a good rim protector, don't get me wrong, but you better be a good rim protector when you're seven feet tall. Like, come on now. All right, Tom, let's go over to the Western Conference now. Let's Once again, let's start at the top. I actually think we're probably going to be in agreement on this one. I don't really have much to say about this series. The Suns and the Pelicans, the Suns have been the best team in the NBA all all year. They've been fantastic. They've been incredible. They have not looked like a team who's had a hangover after losing in the NBA Finals last year. If anything, they look even hungrier. Devin Booker looked like an MVP all year. And the Pelicans are frankly overmatched. Nice story. If they had Zion back, I'd be much more interested in this series. But I think the Pelicans stand no chance. This is another four or five game series. I'm with you. I, I do want to take a chance to, I mentioned the Blazers a little bit earlier though, to see CJ McCollum and Larry Nance both head to the Pelicans. Um, I mentioned Trent now plays for the Raptors. The Blazers end up losing their pick because New Orleans made the playoffs. So 
it, things are burning up in Portland right now. So Damian Lillard, uh, you know, congrats for having faith in your team. But sheesh. But yeah, I mean, Suns. I'm I'm thinking Suns in four. To be honest, I don't I don't I don't really see New Orleans winning the game here. I think great effort in that fourth quarter against the Clippers, but it was a Paul George-less Clippers. And I think with the star power that the Suns have and the way they can kind of spread the floor, um, especially with the emergence of I think Mikel Bridges has had a really good year as well. I shouldn't say emergence because he was great last year, but it's just star power all up and down for Phoenix. We talked about Atlanta with the young team coming back. This is a team, obviously, with playoff experience from last year. It should be easy pickings from them in the first round. This also gives me an opportunity to say, uh, Robert Sarver, I believe, is the owner of the Phoenix Suns. My man's better open up the checkbook for DeAndre Ayton because there's a team down in Charlotte where he would be perfect, and he better cut that check because they would not be the same team without him. They they would be worse, undoubtedly worse, without DeAndre Ayton. So. Th- Open up that checkbook. Stop being so cheap because he's been one of the cheapest owners in the NBA. Bro, you're a billionaire. Stop it. Stop it. If they win the title, let's be honest, he's going to let DeAndre Ayton walk and it's going to be the corniest thing in the league. I'm I'm going to hate it. Tom, let's go to the 4-5 or five matchup. Dallas and Utah. Dallas has had a huge blow to their chances. Let me recap what has been an incredible story, though, in Dallas. Luka Doncic and Spencer Dinwiddie has been a match made in heaven ever since they got rid of uh, Porzingis and have just surrounded Luka with a lot of guys who can shoot and then another really good ball handler so he didn't always have to handle the basketball. It's been a perfect match and they've been scorching hot. They were one of the two to three teams in the West I thought had a chance to win the West. And now Luka Doncic, calf strain. He's going to miss game one. It looks like he might miss game two as well. I'm concerned they're going to rush him back in this series. And we saw how that went last time a superstar had a calf strain and he got rushed back. It was Kevin Durant in the NBA Finals. We know how that went. We didn't see him play basketball for two years. I don't want that for Luka. I would almost them rather him sit out. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie's going to be back next year. You're going to have this exact core with probably one or two more pieces back next year i think you can afford to not rush him back in this series i don't think you can necessarily beat utah without him but i'm not totally sold that utah is a great team like utah is the opposite of dallas right they're the five seed yet there's so much drama surrounding this team they are one playoff series away from the whole thing imploding from rudy gobert or donovan mitchell being shipped out the door from Quinn Snyder leaving, there's a lot of rumors that he's going to leave this job in Utah. I don't think he's going to leave the job, but I wouldn't be surprised if he got fired if they don't make it out of the first round. I think it's a fun team. They're a good team. And without Luka, they should win the series, but they're so dysfunctional. I just don't know what to feel about the Utah Jazz. Is it really imploding if they split Gobert and Mitchell? Because that... It hasn't yielded any results. You know, you feel like it's such a good combination, but there's obviously some chemistry issues there. How much of a of a detriment is it to the Jazz to lose one of those people? Obviously, I think you'd rather lose Gobert if you're the Jazz. I think Mitchell offers you much more, especially in the postseason, than Gobert does. But to me, it's not the worst thing in the world to, to see that particular relationship implode. My response to that would just be, I don't like Rudy Gobert either, but he's so integral to the way they play without like, and that's why they keep losing these playoff series. Because, but, but, the way, but, but that's the point. The way they play isn't winning. The way they play doesn't get it done. I under, I understand your point. I'm just saying 
I would not blow it up unless you know you have a better option. Like, do we know for a fact getting rid of Rudy Gobert, they have a better option out there? I don't know that without a fact or for a fact. I I think they're going to be forced to blow it up because Donovan Mitchell is not going to play another season with Rudy Gobert. I think he hates his guts, if I'm being quite honest. I don't know that. I, again, there may be credible reporting on this, and I just haven't read it. I This is pure speculation. I'd call it reckless speculation. I don't think Donovan Mitchell likes Rudy Gobert. It just seems that way in every interaction I've ever seen between the two. I mean, the dude literally gave him COVID. He just doesn't seem to like him. He, he's not a big fan. And I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world to blow it up. I just don't know what the team would look like and what kind of return you can even get for Rudy Gobert. I I can't say without, with again, I can't say for a fact they'd be better without Rudy Gobert, even if I don't like Rudy Gobert. Back to the series, I think it'll be, I think Dallas being home hurts them because Luka, I, I think I'd be shocked if he comes back before game three. Um, I think that's earliest what you're looking at if you're Dallas. And those first two games are at home. So maybe you could argue they got a better chance of winning at home. So maybe you, you get a split in those first two. But to me, having to go to Utah when Luka comes back, it just feels like the way the series is shaking out favors Utah a lot. And, you know, with the way last season kind of ended for the Jazz, I, th- I think they'll be a little bit more prepared this time in the playoffs. I think they tended to overlook the Clippers a little bit, especially when Kawhi Leonard went down. Because, yeah, this isn't the first time the Utah Jazz are going up against a team without their best player. They they ended up blowing it last year. They had that huge lead in Game 6 that Paul George went nuclear on them. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think Dallas without Luka is a tall ask. So I'm going to go Utah, probably 6. I think they'll close it Game 6 up in Salt Lake City. But it, it's going to be a fun series, and I think a chance for some of the other Mavericks guys to kind of get into the spotlight. I'm also going to take Utah in 6 under the same interpretation that Luke is not going to play in this series but I just want to highlight their season one more time because I think it's been incredible after the post all-star break Dallas is 17 and 6 they are shooting almost 37 percent from three and I'm trying to find their point oh and they're averaging 111.6 points per game compared to 106 before the all-star break another statistic to look out for just because of the way the playoffs work on one day rest, so you know, you play, you're off, and then you play again. Dallas was 37 and 18 this year, a 67% win percentage. On two two days rest, they were eight and three, a 72% win percentage. So a team who when they had the rest, they had an opportunity to plan, they were an incredible basketball team. But I just again, without Luca, you can't bank on this team being able to beat Utah. And so we're gonna both go with Utah in six. Tom, this next series, I would argue, may be the best first-round matchup of any of the first-round matchups. The Golden State Warriors, the three-seed. The Denver Nuggets, the six-seed. It looks like Nikola Jokic is going to pick up his second MVP, back-to-back MVPs. So we're just letting computers pick our MVP awards right now. But that's, that's neither here nor there. He doesn't have a lot of help, if we're being honest, because it looks like, like he's a- pretty valuable then if he doesn't have a lot of help. He is very, listen, I'm not saying he's not valuable. I'm just saying everyone's arguments for Nikola Jokic is his advanced statistics. And so that's literally, you're just 
t- picking the guy who the computer said had the best season. I, like, if you have another argument, which I think there are plenty, that's what frustrates me about it. There are plenty of arguments for Nikola Jokic because he's been incredible this year. But we ignore all of them and just go, the advanced statistics tell me that, all right, if you want to talk about it, go to Harvard and talk about advanced statistics. I This is basketball, all right? I don't care about your advanced statistics anymore. I'm so done with them at this point. But you're Nicol- not on the whatever Raptor metric or VORP, whatever it is. Yeah, well, that's what we're using to pick. We're picking dinosaur oh, metrics. That's, all right, all right. Next week, next week, I'm doing a cash or trash, and we're doing. I'm giving you NBA analytics, and you have to decide if they're real or fake. That's oh, what we're I, doing next week. Great idea. Good, good tease for the audience to come back next week. But Nikola Jokic, it looks like the Nuggets are going to be without Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. There were some rumors they'd both be back for the playoffs. It looks like those that was just all smoke. But at the same time, Golden State really has nobody, and I mean nobody, who can check Nikola Jokic. And it, it seems like with the Nuggets, if Jokic plays, they're great. That's literally all they need. They need Jokic to play, and they'll be a great basketball team. Much of the same way, if Embiid plays, Philly is great. If Giannis plays, Milwaukee is great. Those are kind of the players right now in the league. If they play, the team is great. And so... Golden State is getting Steph Curry back from a calf injury he suffered when Marcus Smart fell into him when they were playing the Celtics. Klay Thompson has seemed to come into form the second half of the year since returning from both his ACL and his Achilles injuries over the last two years. But it seems like everybody on the Warriors has kind of lost a step. You know, it's the same group of players, but... Steph hasn't really lost a step. He still looks incredible when he's played, but he's, you know, he kind of gets hurt a little bit more than he used to. Clay Thompson, not the same defender he used to be. Still great, but he's not the Steph from when they won the championships. Draymond Green is not the Draymond Green from when they were a potential dynasty. And it just feels to me they're becoming overly Steph Curry reliant. And I just don't, I've never thought Steph Curry was that kind of player. Yeah, it feels a little bit like the reunion tour this time. Um, and, and that's the thing with, with, with Denver is they've been playing without Porter and Murray all year. So that's just been the team all year. And they're very comfortable in that. And obviously you'd like to have those two guys back. But when you look and compare injuries on the Warriors where, you, you know, it, it's been a hodgepodge of who's out for when and, and kind of piecing together teams all season. So you haven't had that cohesion. I think that's huge come playoff time. Jokic has also eaten the Warriors alive in their matchups this year. I was just looking at it. I think he's 28-16-9 in the four matchups against the Warriors this year. So it's going to be a problem, and I think he'll kind of get his inside. And, yeah, the Warriors have the shooting, and they have, the obviously, the talent to get it done. But, you know, the MVP can will you to a series. I think, you know, Portland, I would say, was the better team against them last year, and they ended up winning that series. So I wouldn't be shocked if something similar happens this time around. I just, I look at the Warriors, right? And the guys you're going to need to contribute this series, Andre Iguodala, kind of over the hill, if we're being honest. Andrew kinda? Wiggins. He's been over the do, hill. All right, all right, over the hill. Andrew Wiggins. Do I really trust Andrew Wiggins in a big-time moment in the playoffs? I'm going to go with a no on that one. And so then who's coming off the bench? I like Jordan Poole. Good player. He's not going to win you a series. Is Jonathan Kaminga going to be a main contributor in the playoffs? This is one of those teams that is really deep and it works well in the regular season. And I just don't, I I don't really see it for them come playoff time. The Nuggets are a top 10 
offense, top 15 defense. Warriors are a top five defense, but only a top 15 offense. They're 15th in points per game this season. I think, I mean, listen, I just made the argument he shouldn't have won the MVP. He shouldn't win the MVP. I think Nikola Jokic is one of the three best players in basketball, maybe one of the five best players in basketball, depending on. But to me, it's him, it's Embiid, it's Giannis. Those are the three best players in basketball. And I think he is that good. And I think he's good enough to win a series for them. I think they beat the Warriors. I think it goes seven games. But I think Nikola Jokic ends up just being too much for the Warriors. They literally have nobody to check him. I think you can find ways to slow down Steph Curry. You can't find a way right now to slow down Nikola Jokic. So I picked the Nuggets to win the title in the preseason. <laughs> um, who'd you have again? Who'd you have? I had. Uh, I think I had the. No one better. Yeah, exactly. No, but I think I had. I think the it, was e- it was either Bucks. the Nets or the Lakers. I guarantee. No, no, it was no. The I'm Nets either or the Lakers. It was either the Lakers or the Bucks, but I'm pretty sure it was mm. the Bucks. All right, whatever. But, uh, and I picked him in large part because of Jokic and what he can do in the playoffs, and I guess pencil in the Warriors because I'm also going Nuggets here, so I like them to win the series and. You know, probably give whoever they see in the next round a pretty decent shot to win that one as well, because I think both Memphis and Minnesota are very beatable if you're the Nuggets roster. Let's go to that series then. 2-7 matchup, Memphis and Minnesota. Memphis, one of the weirder stories in basketball, because they kind of came out of nowhere. So they're the youngest roster in basketball. I can't really say came out of nowhere because they've been building toward this. But again, they're very young. John ja Morant is the leader of this team, but at the same time, I think they were 19-3 and three in games he didn't play this season, so they were great even when he wasn't on the court. Um, oh, who's the other guy that I'm trying to think of? Uh, Dylan Brooks. I don't know why I was blanking on his name. Dylan Brooks took step forwards this year. He'll probably get votes in the Most Improved Player Award. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a great contributor on this team. This is just a scrappy really good young basketball team who really isn't afraid of any matchup on the other side minnesota you know you have carl anthony towns i'm not a big carl anthony towns guy i know there are others who are big carl anthony towns guys i love anthony edwards i think this team's going to be so much better when they finally just let him lead this team and let him take the reins over and then they have the most annoying player in basketball patrick beverly so i mean you can i don't like minnesota i don't want them to win this series i'll just say right now i'm not going to pick them to win this series but it's an interesting matchup to say the least oh and i just want to say an interesting matchup too in this series before you go steven adams versus carl anthony towns is going to be fascinating because carl anthony towns he's a big guy who wants to play like a guard but he doesn't play like kevin durant so it doesn't work as well and He likes to shoot a lot of threes, and it feels like come playoff time, his shot just doesn't fall as much as it does in the regular season. And then when you're big, right, you just want to be able to post up and just get some points. And that's just not his game. And he's not going to be able to post up Steven Adams because he's going to push him around like he's a child. And so I I just think they have matchup problems for their best players in this series. Yeah, so Towns, first of all, I'd like to formally rescind my invitation. I was a big-time proponent of getting Carl Anthony Towns to Boston for a few years. Uh, I think they're good now, so uh, we're going to cut off that relationship. R.I.P. 
you know, Towns put up a goose egg from the field in in the playing game, and they still managed to get a win. He fouled out like I think you know seven or eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they and they still they were down at the time, and and you know Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell really led that comeback, and so I think you get a lot of confidence from that if you're Minnesota, knowing that these guys, your backcourt specifically, can kind of run the ship and, and, and win you games when you need them. And I think obviously it's been a great year for Minnesota that's historically has struggled immensely outside of the Kevin Garnett tenure really in that city. And to see them kind of celebrate the way they did after winning the play-in, you, you kind of wonder if they bring that energy against Memphis. Obviously Memphis coming off uh, a play-in win themselves last year and they, they showed out really well against Utah in that first-round playoff series. Jaws special. Obviously, I think rebounding is going to be a huge issue for Minnesota. It's never been a strength of Carl Anthony Towns. Steven Adams, Triple J are all big rebounding guys, and even Ja is known to kind of get in there and, and get his nose dirty at times. So it's it feels like Memphis is just the grittier team, and that's kind of the way they like to play basketball, and Minnesota isn't going to be able to keep up with that. I give them one, but I'd probably go Grizzlies in five. I, I've never heard anyone call him Triple J. I don't know if that is like a thing. and I'm just now learning it. I just I, started calling him that. I haven't either. So if, it, if he I doesn't like it. like it, I'm sorry, Jared. Come on the pod. I'll apologize, but I'm sticking with it. <laughs> no, I really like that. Uh, yeah, but like I like I said, I, I think, you know, between John Morant, Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, Triple J, what a great nickname. I just think they have too many guys to try and slow down. They play such great team basketball, like we kind of mentioned with, you know, John Morant would go out and they would still win games. And so for that reason, I, I just can't pick Minnesota. I think Memphis actually takes care of this pretty easily. I think it's probably a five game series, a little gentleman sweep in there. Anthony Edwards essentially wins Minnesota one game. It's going to be a fun watch though, right? It kind of feels yeah. like last year's Grizzlies a little bit with John Morant. Like they ended up losing in five, but watching John was really fun. That's the thing with Memphis right now, right? Every time John Morant is on a national game, you have to watch him play because he is so electrifying. He is so much fun. Somebody you and I both know, I'm not going to say his name on the pod because I don't think he'd like if I said his name on the pod, but he went to Celtics Grizzlies just to see John Morant. And John Morant had a huge alley-oop dunk in that game, shot terribly. But right after the alley-oop dunk, I got a text from him that said, I came what I came to see. Or I saw what I came to see, and that was it. That was, and I knew exactly what it was. So you know that that is John Morant. We're gonna get however many games of getting to watch him nationally, and it's gonna be fantastic. I'm very excited to be able to watch this much John Morant. I think the Grizzlies were my league pass team of the year in the preseason preview, and that, that's probably the only thing I got right in that preview. But they it, they've lived up to the expectations, and like you mentioned, are fantastic even without Josh. So it's been a really cool story. I really want to buy a John Morant jersey, but the one with like the the trim around the neck, like the dark blue or lighter blue trim around the neck. I don't really know how to describe it other than that, but I think it's like their road uniform, but no, you know, they don't have home and away uniforms anymore. Fire, just such a good uniform, but they don't have my size right now. Tom, that is the entirety of the first round, but before we go, we of course, we have to get, let's do conference finals and NBA Finals predictions. Tom, let's start out West. I mean, I'll go first. I think this is pretty easy. 
I think the Phoenix Suns are going to make it to the Western Conference Finals. I see really no deterrent in their path from getting to the Conference Finals. They've been the best team in the West all year, and I see no team competing with them on that side of the bracket to get to the Western Conference Finals. On the other side, I really want to pick Memphis to get to the Conference Finals, and I think they're the one team who actually could pose a bit of a, a stalwart in Steven Adams against Nikola Jokic. Not saying he's going to stop him. You know what? I'll, I'll just pick him. Why not? I'm going to pick Memphis to go to the conference finals. This is more just me wanting as much John Morant as humanly possible in the playoffs. So I'm going to pick him to go to the conference finals. But I think I think Phoenix absolutely handles them in the conference finals. I think Phoenix, low key, they might get to the finals on like a 4-4-4 type thing. Like a little Wendy's 4-4-4 action. I, I think very little shot a team has from stopping them to getting to the final. So give me Phoenix out of the West. I got the same matchup. I got Phoenix and Memphis. Um, I don't know. There aren't, there aren't a lot of, a lot of reasons to pick Memphis here. I think John Moran is obviously fantastic, but you look at the way Phoenix has played all year. And then you, know, you mentioned earlier, the hunger they still kind of have from last year. I think it'd be a little bit, of a better fight put up by Memphis or, you know, whoever they end up playing in the conference finals. But to me, Phoenix has far and away been the best team in the league all year. And and I expect that to continue into the finals. So I got, I'll ride Phoenix as well. All right. So you and I both have Phoenix out West out East, my Eastern conference match finals matchup. I told you already, I think it's conference finals or bust for the Sixers. I think the bracket is broken out in a way for them that is super favorable. You're, of course, not going to have the Sixers, so we'll be a little different here. So I have the Sixers making the conference finals. Again, to me, they have the talent. I don't trust the coach at all, so if they go out early, I wouldn't be surprised, but I think they got the more favorable break than some other teams, so give me Philly in the conference finals. Give me a Milwaukee out of that bottom portion. I've been on Milwaukee all year. They've only gotten better since they got Brooke Lopez back from injury, and to me, I just I see very little. Again, much like Phoenix, I don't see who's going to stand in their way in that bottom portion of the bracket. I just think they are overpowering for anyone they play down in that bottom portion. And I think they'd be overpowering for Philly, too. I think they'd beat Philly in five games. It would be a little disappointing for me, but I think Milwaukee is just that much better than everybody else in the East. So I have a rematch of last year's finals, the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. Nobody likes rematches. This is this is going to be incredibly boring. In my heart of hearts, I would love to pick the Boston Celtics to beat Milwaukee. I think if a team in the East is going to beat the Bucks, it's that other team. It is the Celtics that has the best chance to beat them. Uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, uh, you know, I think can score with Milwaukee, but Giannis is just going to be too much. I think Milwaukee probably wins that series, especially when you factor in the cakewalk they have against the Bulls to start and the Celtics having a little bit tougher matchup against the Nets, even though they are the higher seed. I think home court advantage may matter, but Bucks in six, you know, shout out Brandon Jennings kind of feels like what's going to happen in a Milwaukee-Boston series. I got Toronto going to the conference finals as well. I think the winner of that Philly-Toronto series, much like you, is going to have the favorable matchup over whoever wins that Miami-Atlanta series. So I'll ride a little 2019 conference finals rematch, and I think the Bucks get their revenge, uh, and they play for a back-to-back title. I got a finals rematch as well. I'll go Bucks suns so pencil on anybody else, but I'd be shocked if it was anybody else, to be quite honest. I'd, I'd be time. great if it was anybody else. I'd love it if it was anybody else. This is my plea to, to the league, to you know the powers that be, to give us some fresh meat in the finals. Because even though the Bucks and Suns aren't you know like dynasties, like you would think in a certain way, like it's not like the Lakers getting the back-to-back finals or the Warriors or LeBron, whatever, it's still always refreshing to me to root for 
for new blood. And, you know, I'm hoping for that a little bit. I have a super hot take. Uh, I'm not going to get, I don't, I don't know if we want to give finals predictions. I don't really know which way I'd lean Phoenix and Milwaukee. Might we can as well. talk about it in a second. All right. So, but before we do that, I just want to say if Giannis wins an NBA championship, he has a better resume than Kevin Durant. Fair. Two NBA championships, two NBA championships as clearly the best player on his team. Not to say he wasn't the best player in Golden State, but we all kind of look at those championships a little bit differently. So he'd he'd be the best player on the best team twice. He'd have two MVPs, a Defensive Player of the Year award, probably his second finals MVP, and he'd be well on his way to potentially... And this again, this is really jump in the gun, but he'd be well on his way to potentially competing in the GOAT conversation because he'd have just as good of a resume at that point of his career as either actually a better resume at that point of his career than LeBron James and just as good of a resume as Michael Jordan at that point in his career. So if Milwaukee wins, I don't think Jordan had a title for like seven years. Jordan didn't win his first title until his seventh yeah. or eighth year in the league so he's better than jordan at this point Gian- Giannis is like in his seventh or eighth year in the league Tom. no but i'm saying he didn't is he really okay yeah Giannis has been here a second there's no way 2014 i think was his first year and so i'm gonna retract that one but it feels so, yeah, like I- it feels like 28 it feels like 2018 was his first year i don't know why but it does feel like he's he's been here a while, right? Like that he's just he's been playing. It's just because like he bur- it felt like he burst on this. He was drafted in 2013, actually, so it's his eighth year in the league. Oh, there we go. So it yeah, Maybe it's his age. Well, he's only like 27 now. He's 27. Jordan obviously played played a few years at UNC. So whatever it is, but like I said, he he. I got a rematch w- as well. He'd be well on his way go to ahead. potentially becoming the goat and. He's the most one of the most dominant forces I've ever seen play basketball. And what a great story it would be if he became the greatest basketball player of all time, to be quite honest with you. But in the NBA Finals, I don't think the Milwaukee Bucks win it this year. I actually think because of the steps Devin Booker took this year, he's like a, a real MVP candidate and has gotten no buzz for it. And I think that is the difference between this team this year and Phoenix last year. I think Phoenix last year had a really good Devin Booker. I think they now have a great Devin Booker and he's learned a lot. He's taken that step forward that everyone was hoping he'd eventually take. And I think Phoenix is the slightly better basketball team. I think Phoenix wins this one in seven. It's not often I pick against the team with the best player in Milwaukee because they do have the best player in the series. But I think the next two best players are on Phoenix. They have the better rotational players, in my opinion. And I, I think Phoenix finally breaks through. I think Chris Paul finally gets his his uh, NBA championship, the one I've always wanted him to win. And the Phoenix Suns, I think, are your 2022 NBA champions. No PJ Tucker, obviously this year for the, for the Bucks, he was huge in their championship run. For the sake of uh, for the sake of differing, I'm gonna go repeat. I think I think Giannis's talent is gonna be enough to carry them to another championship. I don't think anyone on the Suns roster can handle what he gives them on the offensive end. We saw it last year. You mentioned the return of Brooke Lopez as well is gonna be huge for the team. So I'm gonna ride the Bucks again. Give me another parade in Milwaukee. Give me Giannis's legacy cementing title. Um, and the Suns, it's going to really hurt if they come up short again this year. Let's be honest. It's going to be one of the more crushing final losses, 
finals losses in recent memory, especially if they lose to that team. I think if they lose to somebody else in the East, it's obviously also going to hurt. But to, to come as close as you did twice, it's going to really sting. And it might be a long offseason in Phoenix, but I'm going, I'm going with a repeat because NBA is the sport of the repeat. So, you know, we haven't had one in five years now, which feels like an eternity, even though it's been much longer in all the other sports. But I'm going Bucks. Yeah, I... I, maybe this is just me wanting Chris Paul to win one. I just, I, I legitimately believe Devin Booker has taken a step forward, and it's enough to win them an NBA. He definitely has, yeah. Well, Tom, that brings us to the end of our 2022 NBA playoff preview. I, I think we did a pretty good job. I, you know, just all you gotta do is listen to this. You know, parse through our opinions a little bit, make some gambling picks based off that. If you take like a combination of our picks, you probably have. Wait, this is, I think that's pretty obvious to say, right? If you took a combination of our picks, you have a perfect NBA playoff bracket because we probably have enough things that are different that you could get everything right <laughs> if you combined our two things. Tom, we both like have I the said, Suns and the Bucks in the finals, so you got anybody else, you're making money. So bet, bet whoever else to get there, I guess, is the big takeaway. Tom, though, like I said, that brings us to the end of another edition of There's a Lot Going On. Do you have any final thoughts before we let the people go this week? I hope it's not the Bucks and the Suns. I said it earlier, but I'm not a repeat guy, so let's get some fresh blood. I'm fine with it being a repeat. I think those are the two best teams in basketball, and I want the two best teams to play each other. If you've made it to this point in the podcast, I haven't done this in a while, Tom. I gotta gotta remember how I do this. But if you made it to this point in the vid in the video, listen. If you made it to this point on YouTube, you gotta leave us a like. You got to subscribe. You got to send this to someone. Tell them about the podcast. But if you're listening to this, you know what I want you to do. You got to go on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, any suggestions for the show. Tell us who you think in the comment section is going to be this year's NBA champion. And we'll catch you back here next week. That's Tom Shively. I'm David Rowe. Catch you back here next week for another edition. There's a lot going on.